Leadership is no joke. As a leader, responsibilities weigh heavily on your shoulders. You need to remain focused on your goals and vision while staying in tune with your team. And the same remains true if you're talking about it personally for your family. We sat down with Laura Boyd, a true expert in leadership and the author of Words That Work for Leaders, 31 Days of Reflection, Motivation, and Goal Setting. In this episode, you will learn four mindful practices that can help you not only in leadership, but every area of your life, how the characteristics of Christ can make you an exceptional leader, and how your values play a role in consistency for your leadership and your team. And on top of it all, how to incorporate humor as a steadfast in the craziness of juggling it all. So grab your pen and paper and listen in as we discuss all things leadership. Welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast by Faith and Gather. I'm your host, Erica Dvorak. Join me and the Faith and Gather community as we become faith inspired to tackle every area of life career, faith, motherhood, loss, fitness, fashion, health, and more. Girl, we're going to meet you right where you're at, right where you need it, keeping you one step ahead of the devil, armed with knowledge to fight your everyday battles and live a life faith-inspired. Come on, girl, let's get it. Laura, thank you so much for being on the show today. I just am so honored to have you on the podcast and you're just so knowledgeable about leadership and just have so many years of coaching experience and it's just so exciting to have you on today. Well, thank you, Erica, for having me. I am just, I'm delighted to be here. And I just need to say, I'm so proud of you. This is, I know this is something that's been on your heart for a long time. And we've had conversations in the past. And when I saw it uh, get produced and out there, out to the world, it was just, I was just beaming from ear to ear. So congratulations on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That means a lot coming from you, especially. So thank you. Thank you. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about leadership today. And I would love if you started off um, talking about who you are, first off, to let our listeners know, and then how you came about your leadership roles and kind of what your career path has been in terms of leadership. Okay. Well, this, I mean, we don't have the whole podcast, but uh, because I am getting older. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I can tell you a little bit about who I am. First of all, I'm a child of God, and that's the first thing. Uh, The second thing is I am a mom and a wife and all of those kinds of things. And and I think when we talk about who we are, we forget to mention those things because it's just assumed or we just don't bring it up because it's, you know, we're talking business stuff. So in my career life, I am the CEO of Leadership Delta, which is an organization, and we work with executive teams and individuals on leadership, effectiveness, and really what I'm finding is it's really about human behavior. Mm. So it's about human behavior and modification, which is just so exciting. So that's what I do in my day life. And did you ask me how did I get there? Yeah, I guess quick as you can in a snippet of your journey of leadership yourself and then maybe transitioning into how you are now coaching leaders. Okay. So I actually went to college to be a marriage and family therapist. 
that is what I was going to do. Oh. And while I was in college, I was a paraprofessional counselor for the YWCA and I worked with sexually abused women and children. And I did that for about two years and it just about killed me because I, I was so young and I was like, why is this happening? Why are these people going back to relationships that are terrible? And so it was really something that I loved doing because I felt like I was helping somebody. But along the way, while I was in college, then I got my degree in psychology because that was the direction I was going was to be a therapist. But what I also realized is I loved business. I love the business side of things. And so I got a concentration in um, sociology and economics. That's kind of how it all evolved. And when I got done with college, I went into market research because there were no jobs out there. And so from that, I learned a lot about people and kind of their purchasing power and how they thought about things. And it was a different perspective for me than the counseling side. And then while I was doing that, I went and got my master's in organizational leadership in the late 90s from, at the time, it was the College of St. Catherine. Now it's St. Catherine's University. So, um, and it was the time when leadership wasn't really talked about, because you have to remember, this is, you know, in the late 90s when you'd get your MBA. And so I think St. Kate's really came out with uh, one of the first programs in leadership And so it was a little different spin on a a master's in business, essentially. And I loved the program. I loved everything about it, everything about it. So that's kind of overlaying all of my career. But in my career, I've been in sales and marketing most of the time and uh, had the opportunity to be a partner in a marketing agency and then also worked in nonprofit, worked for large organizations. So I've kind of had this different capacities in in different roles and all along the way have had the opportunity to sit at the executive table. And so when I started the business about five and a half years ago, I took the summer off and I was like, everybody asks this question, right? What am I going to be when I grow up? Mm -hmm. I still ask that today and I'm Mm -hmm. 50. So what is it that you're going to do? And, and uh, for me, it was really I had to discern the voice of God. And I know people say that and you're like, really, that's kind of kitschy. But it was really about trying to hear his voice and and how he talks to me might be different than how he talks to other people. Because he's like, hey, Laura, what's going on? I've been telling you to do this. You're not listening. So I'm just going to have to put another person in your life to make you think about this. So he's kind of a jive talker with me. I know that's might not be how everybody hears God, but... (laughs) He speaks to you the way you need to be spoken to. He does for each person. Yes. And sometimes he comes down like, you know, and he's talking to Moses, Moses, you know, that kind of thing. But usually he's, he's more of a jive talker with me. But I think I really had to take a step back and say, what was it? Because everybody expected me to go into marketing and I could do that and it would be no problem. But it wasn't really where my heart was. It wasn't filling my cup and it wasn't leading me into a direction where I wanted to help others. So for some reason, oddly, I had a friend reach out and say, hey, can you look this up for me? And as I was looking it up, I found this company that had a toolbox of leadership curriculum. Because the problem that I had, Erica, and this was a mindset issue I had at the time, was I was never in human resources. Mm. So I always equated like you had to be in human resources to be in leadership development. What I forgot is I actually was sitting at the leadership table the whole time. So I was a participant uh, as a leader sitting at an executive table. And I forgot that 
those great experiences help so much when I'm meeting with my clients. That is where I uh, invested in the curriculum. So I had my little toolbox of leadership curriculum, which was amazing curriculum, and it still is today. Got certified in that, used my master's information, and then all of my experience and, and just started the business. So that's where I'm at today. And it's been five and a half years. Wow. What a journey. And it fits a lot. So as you were talking and you were talking about your degree in psychology, that fits so well with leadership. Marketing, for sure. You know, me being a marketing professional as well, like that is hand in hand. I think all marketers should have like a minor in psychology because that's basically what marketing is, is trying to figure people out and how they tick and why they like certain things and where to get them to actually listen. And that's the same with leadership. So really God was preparing you with that psychology degree to now fast forward, work with leaders and be a leader yourself. So that's just so amazing. I love that. That's amazing. Okay. So we're going to jump in a little bit. I know that you tell your clients to strengthen their muscles more, their brain muscles than their muscle muscles, arm muscles. So more their brain muscles. And you have four mindful practices that you encourage them to use to stay focused and healthy. Can you walk us through those four practices and really how, um, why they're important and and how you can use them in the day-to-day? Absolutely. One of the things that, that we really pride ourselves on, and I've really found this as I've been working with my clients, is that you can say, I want to be a better leader. Or a CEO can say, Laura, come and fix Bob or Sally or Joe or whomever, right? Like they need help. It's always like one person in the executive (laughs) team, they always say. And then you get there and you're like, you realize it's really all of you collectively, right? So let's figure this out. One of the things really found is you can't do anything unless you're aware of it. That's the very first step on any personal change is to be aware of something. So when I work with my leaders, we really talk about, let's figure out where there is some self-awareness opportunities and what are some of the triggers that you have your conquering your key moments. Like there's a consistent key moment that happens over and over. Let's, let's look at that and dissect it and figure out what is it and why is it being triggered? Right. And, and really focusing on the awareness. So I love working with manufacturing organizations and, uh, if you work with the factory managers or something like that, I mean, that it's a little touchy feely for some of them. And I'm like, you got to dig. I just say, you've got to dig. So stay with me because you've got to become aware of it first. But here's the second step is you have to have the desire to change. So once you have the awareness of it, now you've got to have the desire to change. For me, I have had weight issues my whole entire life. And so for me, I can be aware that I'm feeling unhealthy but do I have the desire to change? Hmm. Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't, right? So I think people can kind of put it in that perspective. You have to have that desire. Then the third piece is what's your commitment to it? Because once you have the desire, what's your commitment? Like for me, am I going to join Weight Watchers? Am I going to do the Noom or whatever it is on the apps? What is it that is going to allow me to have a plan to move forward? And so from a leadership standpoint, if you're aware of something, now you have a desire to change it. Now let's put it into practice. Let's make a commitment and put a plan together to say, I am going to work with Laura twice a month, or I am going to attempt to do X or Y. And then the thing is, the fourth piece is the practice, that practice. And the thing I think that's really hard for people is they fail. 
and they're like, what? Uh, I, uh, yep, nope, I'm out. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I got to go back because it's so comfortable. Your brain, that's the key part, is your brain likes to have habits. We have 60,000, about 60,000 thoughts in our head. And about 59,000 are the same thoughts we had the day before. And that's why we're amazing humans. Our brain is hardwired to keep doing these habitual things. So until you become aware and stop it and redirect your brain to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this instead and keep practicing it and failing and practice and fail and practice and practice and practice, then that becomes the habit. So that's why your brain as a muscle is so important to keep practicing and failing and practicing and failing. So those are the four pieces. Like you've got to be aware of it. You've got to have the desire to change. What's your commitment? You know, be planful. And then the fourth thing is practice and be okay with failure. I think that's, love those steps. And they're so simple when you explain it that way. They really are, you know, when you walk through it. But when you were looking at kind of that mountain, it doesn't seem that simple. I do love how you talk about failure because I'm in a startup right now, not only with Faith and Gather, but then also my quote unquote, like I say, real job. <laughs> and I'm in a startup and we are constantly failing. And before when I was in the corporate environment, that was something that I was so scared of and that it was kind of trained in us that we had to be as perfect as possible. And so during this whole experience with Faith and Gather and then the startup that I'm a part of, I've really had to train my brain like it's okay. And it doesn't have to be perfect. And you're learning and you're every little failure, quote unquote, is actually a learning. And you can build on that as you move along. And then the other day I posted something on social media about Thomas Edison and how he failed, I think a thousand times before he actually got the light bulb to work. And how amazing that is. Like if he had just stopped himself after 800, we went have the light bulb or we wouldn't have had it as soon as we did. And that's the same with me. Like if I just stop, then I'm not going to achieve those things that, you know, God has in my path. Yes, exactly. And, and I think that's the thing as leaders. So if you're leading a team, we forget that smart failures, I like to call them, because I'm not going to have somebody, you know, take over the books if they don't even know what they're doing or start a machine if they haven't been trained. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> yes. It's those smart failures, because I guess I would ask you, Erica, what do you learn the most from, your successes or your failures? Failures, straight up. Absolutely. But we don't allow our teams to fail. You know, we kind of punish them. And so, and so then there's a little heightened sense of fear. And so it's really about the culture to allow smart failures to happen and learn from them. Now, if it continues to happen, you've had conversations, that's a performance issue. So I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. But it's more about if they've got that awareness and that desire to to change, it can happen, and you can learn so much from those failures. Mm-hmm. That's so good, so good. Makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've failed so many times. I can't even tell you. I can't yeah. even tell you. Yeah. Well, that's the thing in today's world is you don't see that on social media. You don't see the hundred photos that they took to get that one beautiful, amazing photo or the editing that went into that photo. Like everything takes work. Mm -hmm. And I think we just, in this world, you, you forget that things take work, they take time and they take practice. Like you had said. Well, and you can appreciate this too, Erica, because I think I love this example of it is I always think back to when the kids were toddlers and we're trying to do the holiday pictures. (laughs) Yeah. 
And that is a nightmare. Yeah. So if you would look at like the 50 pictures, there'd be one that's actually good. And the yes. 49 are just total chaos. Yeah, you have that shutter photo going on and you have like a hundred of those burst photos and just trying to find yeah. the one where everybody's looking. Oh, I know. We just did family pictures with my kiddo as well in the fall, really. And whenever a camera comes out, he just won't smile. He doesn't do it. And so you have to do those candid action shots. And yeah, I know how that goes. It's always uh-huh. fun. Parenthood, uh-huh. I tell you. All right. It's a blessing. It is a blessing. It is a blessing. So we haven't talked about it yet, but you have a wonderful book that was just released recently, I believe, and that's called Words That Work for Leaders, 31 Days of Reflection, Motivation, and Goal Setting. And first off, I have to say, I love it. It's very, it's, it's simple. But as I was reading through it, I was like, wow, this would really give me a lot of direction. And as leaders, you have a lot on your plate. And this is something that you could do early in the morning, really quickly, and just one action item to implement throughout the day. So in the book, you have a simple word that correlates with each day. And as I read through the book, I just found it really comforting that each of those words were kind of characteristics of Christ. And some of those characteristics were kindness, influence, grace, compassion, trustworthy, integrity, love, growth, and service for sure. So and you'd mentioned this before that, you know, number one, you're just a daughter of Christ. How has your walk with Christ really influenced your role as a leader and influenced your role now as impacting the leaders that you work with? I think for me, when you think of leadership, and I go back to this every single time because leadership has been around since the Bible. And so if you look at any leadership book today, all of the principles are in the Bible. And so that is a direct correlation to me. And I think this is really when I was discerning the voice of God in terms of this is what I want you to be focused on. How could I connect the two in the business capacity without it being overly blatant? Or how could I evangelize that was a little bit more from an example standpoint than it was a direct, here's the scripture and this is what, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, And so uh, that's what I love about leadership is it's all biblically based. Everything that I teach is biblically based. And so interestingly enough, I've had a couple of my clients, I had one CEO say to me, because in my newsletter, I, I only listen to Christian music and eighties music. So sad. That is, that's my (laughs) world, right? Is uh, Christian music music and eighties music. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So that's all I know, but I love music so much. And that is my, my meditation is around Christian music. And so at the end of all my newsletters, because it's so fitting, I will find a Christian song that I will introduce. And it's funny because people that maybe don't know Christian music have reached out and said, wow, I really appreciate learning that song. I had no idea that, you know, this person was so amazing as a singer. And so there have been a couple people that hopefully from an evangelized standpoint, they've listened to that music and now it's been attached to their heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one CEO had said to me, Lord, don't you think that your newsletter and putting that Christian music at the end, do you think you could do that? I mean, are you okay doing that? And I said, it's my company. Mm-hmm. I'm okay doing that. And then I also had another HR leader tell me that uh, one of her employees came up and said, did you read Laura's newsletter? and and she said, yes. And, and the employee said, don't you think it was a little Christian-y? And uh, 
and the HR leader said, yes, it, it is. And she said, do you think it's okay that she's doing that? And she said, you don't have to read it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. I mean, yes. Don't read it then. And so it, I think that because I have that strong belief that leadership comes from the Bible, there's that direct correlation. And so when I speak about it, I'm going to speak about it in terms of business leadership, but there's a strong current of, of God and able in it. Mm-hmm. I love how strong you were in that. I think today as Christians, often we can feel like we have to hide it a little bit because there is that overpowering level of HR now, you know, what's appropriate, it's not appropriate and just being so strong in that. And it is true. Like they can make the decision to look at it or not. And even with faith and gather, like this is a Christian based company. So I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to talk about God. That's what we are. But at the same time on my own personal social media, like it takes a little bit of courage for me to be so open and vulnerable about it, especially in a world that isn't as accepting as it used to be. So I just really appreciate that you are continuing to do that and that, yeah, you can just be the light onto others and be the hands and feet of Jesus by really just acting out his characteristics in that leadership. And I think people are probably really intrigued and interested to see like, how is Laura? How is she that way? Why does she act that way? How does she have all this knowledge and that probably has opened doors and then will open doors in the future on being able to express, you know, where that really comes from. And I think also the the discernment too that I had was really realizing what my gifts are. And I know Lord King talked about this on your first podcast too, but mm-hmm. is really realizing what are the gifts that God has given me. That was something that when six years ago, when I was trying to figure out what it was, I really had to figure out what is that gift and accept it. Mm. Because there's... I'm, I'm a huge person on imposter syndrome and I think how people, and I think Laura talked about this too, but I think how people see you versus how you see yourself is so different. And so it, you look at it and you're like, well, are these really gifts of mine? Yeah. The gift that God has given me is to lift people up and to motivate them and to just be there for them. And I think that that's something I, I'm so passionate about it. And it comes through when I'm facilitating on leadership because I get so passionate about hey, it's about serving others. And that is my gift to the world, right? So I wanted to take that and give it to the world because God gave that to me. Hmm. And that is my gift. Yeah. And he can do so much with that. If you listen to that and follow it, like he can do so much with just the little, little effort that you put into it. When people hear me talk about that too, though, they're like, well, here goes Laura. She's talking about that. She thinks she's so perfect. And I am not. And I think this is some of the challenge I think that the Christian world has is that we judge so much. Hmm. Like, oh, she thinks she's perfect. And then I'm going to make a mistake. I do make mistakes. I'm very sinful. So let's just be clear on that. Mm -hmm. And I'm very vulnerable on that. I, I am not perfect. And so I think that that's part of our challenge as Christians is I feel like we judge others. Instead of just saying, hey, I love who I am, I can only control myself, and how I respond to life is how I'm going to influence others. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm guilty of that as well. I mean, it's so hard. I've been dealing with a lot of that recently, and just realizing that at the beginning, Adam and Eve, there was sin, and so that's in us. 
And we are always striving to get to that sainthood and get closer to God and, and be more like Christ and his characteristics and who he is. But we also have sin in us. And so it's that constant battle of, like you said, like you are striving for, and I hate to say perfection, but Christ is perfection. So we're striving to get to an improvement on who we are every day. And sometimes we're going to fall. We have the fall within us. And so we're always constantly battling that. And to remember, you know, when you're judging others that the same judgment goes on you because we all have good and we all have evil within us. And so just trying to remember that. For sure. That is one thing when I was even talking about how you see yourself and how others see you. One of the things that I know is that that devil he will sit there and he knows exactly the buttons to push, right? Yes. And so C.S. Lewis has a book, um, Screw Tape Letters, I think is what it's called. Screw Tape Letters? Yep, I, I think, think that's what right. it is. Yep, I think you're right. Yeah, I read that because it was in this uh, Breakthrough Angels group with these three amazing executive women. And uh, they introduced me to it because they said, Laura, you really have this misperception of who you are. And it's because the devil just sat on my shoulder and was just like, constantly in my ear. You can't do that. You're not good enough. You're not worth enough if you don't have a title or if you're not making this salary. If your kids don't act this way, you are not worthy. And so that's something I've really worked on, I would say in three years time, because I kind of went through this really weird depression, if you will. And I don't mean to that word without it being diagnosed exactly. But three years ago, I really dove quickly because I could not figure out. I had everything going for me. Everything. I have a beautiful, healthy family, loving husband. I mean, just if people saw my world, they'd be like, wow, she's she's got so much going for her. I could not be happy. Hmm. I couldn't figure out how not to, how to be happy with myself. And Erica, I truly believe that it was the devil just putting these terrible self-limiting beliefs in my head that caused me to be unhappy. And until I shifted my mindset and really worked on my mindset, which goes back to the brain, right? And really flexing your brain is to say, the thoughts I have are causing these feelings. So I need to change the thoughts. I need to change the script in my head. Hmm. So I have this amazing coach and I, I still am working with her today. She has helped me so much help myself. And then ultimately I'm able to help my clients. I'm not saying I don't fall. You know, I still have my self-limiting beliefs, but it was a huge difference and it was all mindset. Hmm. That's incredible. And it goes back to the four, the four practices. You find out you're aware. Yeah. You're aware of like, okay, I'm having these self-limiting beliefs and I'm thinking these thoughts. You have the desire to want to change that. And then you have to actually commit to it. So for you, you got yourself a coach or just, you know, committing to a plan of changing them and then actually practicing it. Because like you said, all those, what is 60,000 thoughts or whatever it is, like, or 59,999 are like the same over and over again. Like you literally have to practice them and beat them down. And I deal that constantly with just different areas in my life of, they just come up, they come up naturally and they come up from sideways and, or like in the middle of nowhere, you know, you're working away and all of a sudden this thought pops up and you have to slam it down. And thankfully we have the word of God to have like throw scripture at it and help with that. But I think those four steps that you had talked about earlier really help with that and implementing scripture and that would work as well. Absolutely. And that is one thing I need to get better at 
I read the Bible, but for some reason I can't memorize scripture or I'm choosing not to, right? That's really what it gets down to is I'm choosing not to. Yeah, that's the same with me. I write them down, but I think we have so much coming at us nowadays that like our brain literally can't take all of it. And maybe I just need to learn a special technique. I'm sure there's a technique out there. If there is, someone share it about how to, you know, remember the scripture, you know, like if it's one of those little acronym things or whatever it is, I'm sure there's something that'll help with that. I know that is one area that I wish I was, I was better. I think part of it too, is because I grew up a certain religion that didn't necessarily dig in the Bible as much. Mm -hmm. And until I was probably in my twenties and got married, the religion that I chose then really was all scripturally based. So it was all new for me. So imagine being, you know, 24 going, wow, this is so cool. Mm -hmm. And so that's pretty, it's pretty neat, but yeah, so I need to go back and memorize. Yeah. Same here. Not alone. We're all learning. So um, you had alluded to like the episode that we talked about with Laura that was on vision and goals and, and purpose. And we had talked about in that episode that writing down your goals is just so important. But I think equally important is to be consistent. And in your book, you talk about consistency. So how do you as a leader remain consistent in your goals and your visions for yourself and then for your team as well? as I have learned with Faith and Gather is that in order to get things done, I have to be consistent. I have to wake up early to get things done because my child will wake up and then the day is done and I have to (laughs) do, you know, whatever anybody else needs from me for the day until I go to sleep. For you personally and then for your team, how do you keep things consistent? Well, I think the first thing is you have to know what your values are to be consistent, right? And so uh, I listened to this podcast a long time ago, and they said, if somebody followed you around for 30 days, what would they say about you? So are your actions aligned with what you're saying your values are? I am so intrigued by that. And I actually have my clients do that now is to, to think about that, but to really map out what are your values And so you need to have those aligned first, because then that will help you be more consistent because you can say, is this truly aligned with my values? Hmm. And so for me, spirituality is a big piece of it. And so when you think about it, anything I do is that honoring Christ. That's kind of, it's like a checklist, you know, all of your values that you have to think about growth. Does it, does it connect with growth? Whatever, you know, whatever your values Hmm. are. So I think that it's a little bit more of a checklist for me is when you think of your values. The other thing is I own when I do misalign with my value. Hmm. So, I mean, a great example. I was not the kindest to my husband the other night. I could have been a kinder wife. (laughs) I could have been a kinder wife and, uh, guilty. Yeah. I mean, we've all been there. Right. And, and, and so it was interesting to me because I, I couldn't sleep because I was just sick about it. And then the next morning, as soon as I saw him, I was waiting for him to wake up. And as soon as I saw him, I'm like, I am so sorry. Wow. I, I could have handled that differently, but that's the vulnerability piece, right? That's where you start to build trust with other people. We are going to fall down, but it's how you respond back. That's going to help you get back on the consistency wagon. Hmm. So I think that I'm pretty much the same person as as a person versus as I'm leading my team, as I'm leading my family, as I'm leading community efforts, what you see kind of with me is what you get. Hmm. 
a little crazy. <laughs> Unloving, I like to call it, but but also very serious too. With that, I'm I'm very passionate about, you know, as a leader, it's about serving others. Mm-hmm. I've never heard it before. Being consistent aligns with your values. I've never heard it put that way before in terms of like consistency, like how to stay consistent. But it makes total sense because for me, you know, my family is very important and my faith is very important. And then also my health. And then for me also, I'm, I have this value of trying to not conform to the world with the rat race of um, just stress and craziness. I've had some experience in my life where it just, it's really knocked me down. And so that's a value of mine as well. And so when you say the value part, I've really been on that journey recently in like the past two years. So my schedule is I wake up in the morning, I do my devotions, I work out, and then I work on faith and gather and then do my day. And at nighttime, I'm very much with my family. I try to put my phone away. I try to pay attention to them. And I'm I'm not always great at that, but like I have set buckets mm-hmm. for like when things are going to get done because that's how I'm able to be consistent and they all tie back to my values. So I've never thought about it in that way. So I appreciate you having that perspective. We do. We talk about it in our leadership forums because I think it's so important to know what your values are and really define them to you. Because family, well, that means something different for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to you? These are your values. What does it mean to you? So, and interestingly enough, when you talk about consistency, that's kind of how this book was created is because COVID just about killed me because I'm a morning gym rat. Mm-hmm. I, I get it done because I just have to. So I'm a 4.45 a.m. or get up and go. And every morning I would sit in the sauna and I would say, who do I need to pray for today? Hmm. Who should I be lifting up? And and then when that was taken away from me with COVID, this is so, it's so dumb. I think about it, I'm like, this is the dumbest thing. But it was like I lost something yeah. because I couldn't figure out how to... <laughs> how do I lift? You know, it was just, it was a piece that I lost. Yeah. And so what I decided to do was on LinkedIn, start sharing positivity. And I chose a word of the day and I put it out on LinkedIn. Each day we had a new word with the same thing, the word, the definition and a goal. Hmm. And Erica, it was so cool because everybody's like, Laura, this is awesome. Like I had a, a client or actually it wasn't a client, but a friend say, we'd wait for your word of the day with the team to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And, and I was like, wow, that's really cool. So then Kristen, uh, my right-hand person, as she and I were talking about this, we're like, maybe this is our first book. This was not supposed to be our first book. We were going to do a book on imposter syndrome and this is how it evolved. People were appreciating the word of the day. I want to dive in just real quick on one there was, I think it was perspective. And this will give the listeners an idea of what the book is really like. So the word for this day is perspective. And it says, throughout our experiences, we see the world through certain paradigms, fear, duty, achievement, integrity. Be cognizant of what paradigm you are making a decision through and how you respond to a team or family member. And so that's the word and kind of explanation. And then the goal, so there's one goal a day. The goal for this is, Recognize a time where you would normally respond out of fear and shift gears. If you saw the world through a different paradigm, how would you respond? For this one, it really makes you think about like how you would respond differently and it's more a mind thing. Some of them are really like action items. So there's one that's listen and it says the goal for today is just to stop and listen intently. 
And to remember that it will mean more in five years that you listened than getting a project done perfectly. So that little goal for the day can just set your whole day. And it's just so simple, but it really is dramatic in terms of how you're going to behave. And then there's an opportunity to write your commitment um, that you choose to listen and how you're going to do it. And then what you're grateful for, for the day, but so wonderful and so cool. I didn't know that story of how that came about and how, again, how wonderful, how God works with those little simple things. You just did something to, that was helping you to be able to encourage others, something that was missing because of COVID. And then now you're able to share it over and over and over again with this book. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been really fun. And, And actually, um, our next step could potentially be now, how do we add scripture to it? Which would then help me because once you actually have to teach it, you can master it a little bit. So that mm-hmm. might help my scripture memory, right? Is to say, okay, how do we connect scripture back into the goal? Oh, that'd be so good. Yeah. So you could take the same words essentially and and attach it to scripture. Yeah. Great idea. Look at that. A new book is born. Knowing you personally, I know that humor is a big part of who you are and, and you like to keep things fun and exciting, but then you're also, like you said, you can get serious. So when it comes to leadership, how do you continue to include humor within your team and the projects that you work on, especially during times that may be really tough? I mean, I'm sure with COVID things got a little dicey as they did with everybody else's teams and trying to figure things out and you're working from home and you have kids running around or whatever it may be, just life got a little more stressful. How do you with your team and how do you suggest others to implement with their teams and their families? Cause there's leadership and family as well. How do you keep the humor? How do you keep it fun and alive? Cause I do struggle with that. I think in work and then I think more for me at home, like how to keep that humor alive when I'm just had a long day at work and I have dinner to do, laundry to do, you know, running around with a toddler who is in his tantrums right now and and all that stuff. So how do you, when the going gets tough, how do you keep the humor in there? Uh, Let's see. (laughs) I think the biggest thing for me is smiling. Hmm. I think you can always gift a smile to somebody. Uh, now, with a mask on, it gets a little challenging. So you got to squint your eyes a little bit so you know you're smiling. <laughs> Big smile. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so for me, I can barely see when I smile big because my <laughs> eyes are so small. But I don't know. I, I don't take myself that seriously. I really don't. And I think that's part of it. And I think, Erica, I've heard you say this on your podcast and in a couple of your podcasts that life is short, right? Mm-hmm. So don't take your don't take life so seriously and you have to have fun doing it. Now, here's the challenge is when what we find is this is emotional intelligence. So now I'm giving, a, I'm preaching a little bit on emotional intelligence, but our biggest challenge to have high emotional intelligence is typically when we're tired, we're stressed, or we have too much caffeine. So those are the, the three pieces. If you think about, oh, and hungry, sorry, that was, I'm like, I'm mm. missing one. Mm-hmm. Hangry for sure. Hangry for sure. Hangry for sure. And so those are the four times when um, it's emotional intelligence takes the hardest to say, I've got to overcome my tiredness or I've got to respond this way, even though I'm stressed. And when you're stressed, if humor is something that you need to bring to the table, that's when your emotional intelligence needs to kick in. Hmm. And you have to be aware of it that I am stressed, but we're going to have fun doing this. We got to figure out how to make this fun. Yeah. It's so funny you say that. As you were saying those, I was like, guilty. 
guilty. Uh-huh. Guilty. <laughs> guilty. <laughs> like that's exactly so you are so normal, Erica. So thank you. You make me feel better because those are areas in my life that I feel like bad about. You know, my family, my my husband, my poor husband. I love him just so much. He's just been such a gift from God to me because he's just so so I'm getting teary-eyed thinking about it, but he's just so um he lets me be me and lets me do that with lots of love. So that's just been just very blessed with that. But he knows first off, when I am tired don't talk to me. I am tired. I don't want to talk about anything. I get crabby. Humor is hard during that time. When I'm stressed out, for sure, that is super hard for me. Hangry. Yes, ma'am. Like, I need food. (laughs) Snacks are in my purse and my bag and wherever I am. And then caffeine, that's one of those things that I try to stay away from. But I do know that like when I have it, I do start to get a lot more agitated because I am so, I think, elevated and alert to things going around me. So yeah, just so amazing how you said those four that they just work so hand in hand. I am guilty on all four of those. And it's good to know and identify them going back to that awareness Mm -hmm. piece or those four practices piece of like, okay, now that you've identified those in me, I can identify it myself saying like, when I'm tired, when I'm stressed, you know, when I'm hungry, and then also like caffeine, all those are going to affect me and, and how I have that desire to want to change that now. And so like, how am I going to commit to it? What are the different steps that I can take to ensure that I'm implementing humor and not being so serious about life and knowing that life is short? I need to kick it in the rear a little bit and <laughs> put in a smile and, and laugh and, and enjoy life a little bit more. Yeah, it is. It's practice. It's just practice. So, yeah. And now you have to know, I mean, you're in a season of your life when you have little kids, I think life is much different. I mean, every season of having kids creates different challenges. And so your season is tiredness and (laughs) right. And stress because you're trying to manage all of this. And then the guilt comes into that. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that that's one thing that I really struggled with was the guilt of, I loved my career. I loved working. I loved leading. And I had so much guilt when I knew the kids were in a daycare scenario, Mm -hmm. but I just kept saying, wow, I don't know if I could have stayed home if that would have helped them. But we did make the decision when we had kids was that one of us needed to take a step back when they got to junior high. And so we kind of set ourselves up financially for that. And um, it was me because I would die a little bit inside thinking if my husband was doing more of the flexible work Mm -hmm. um, and then managing the kids. So that was just, that's my own personal thing. Everybody's different. Yeah. And so we were able to do that. And that's when I started my business was, you know, the six years ago is that's when Mason, my oldest was in Mm -hmm. junior high at the time. Yeah. Wow. It's being aware of what's going to work for your family. And that ties back to like leadership and teams being just aware of how that's going to work. Cause we did the same thing. You know, I was at a big corporation and I loved my job, but it was amazing, but I was working too much. Like you just, you can't do it with an infant and be mentally okay. Like you just, no one can do it. Your body cannot function at its peak when you're in that state of working 60 hours a week and dealing with an infant and all the other roles that you play just as a human. And I think that goes too, like, even if you're not a mom, like just running at a pace, we all can't sustain that. And so 
just recognizing when you need to change your lifestyle to that new life that you want, that's going to keep you healthy to lead in all areas of your life. So for me, you know, I lead in different areas of work and I lead obviously faith and gather and I lead as a mom in the home. And there's certain areas, you know, as a mom, moms and dads and the roles that they have. And so I lead in those certain roles and those are just, those are my roles. And I just need to make sure that I'm doing them to the best of my ability and being aware of needing to do that and making space for that is just so critical. Yeah, it is. And I think that it goes back to these seasons of our life. And I talk to women in particular about this, I think, because there's so much guilt, I think, in that female capacity. And I'm starting to see it more in the males because I think they're taking more responsibility in the home now, too. They are. Yep. So they have that guilt just as much now. And so it's, it's interesting to watch that evolve. But I think that it is about what works for you and your family and let everybody else take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about anybody judging anything and really just being true to who you are mm-hmm. and being the best you you can be. Yep. Amen, girl. Amen. I could preach on that with you all day long <laughs> for sure. And it's taken me a long time to get there because I am a recovering overachiever, a recovering perfectionist. And one of the things, as you said, strive to be perfect. I think you had said that earlier on the, the conversation. I've shifted that to say I'm striving for excellence, not perfection. That's a great word. I'm, I've been using that a lot lately, but it's hard to like put it back in your vocabulary when perfect's been drilled in your mind. But yes, excellence. That's a perfect word for it. And it goes back to, you know, words. I think words matter, right? That's a huge part of just everything. And so this year, 2021 was my, I'm, I'm working on getting the word perfect because I used to say, oh, that's perfect. I'm saying excellent now. So I'm trying to shift. And that is a mindset thing. Yeah. Is that nothing's perfect. So let's go to, that's excellent. And so my team, I laugh because I'm like, nope, we don't use perfect anymore. <laughs> it's about excellent. So yes. I try my hardest. I'm not perfect at it, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm excellent. I try. So yeah, good. So good. Okay. So I could talk to you forever, but we don't have all day. So I I, I wish we did. I wish I could do this all day long, but tell the listeners, you know, where they can find the book because it is so good. I think it would just really guide. And it's, again, it's words that work for leaders, 31 days of reflection, motivation, and goal setting. So you could really do this for a full month. And I think that would just change the trajectory of a whole year for somebody. So where can they find the book? And then also Leadership Delta, if there's any goodies that they should know about that, if there's anything that they can get involved in and just all the social handles and websites, where can they find you? Yes. So Words That Work for Leaders is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. So I think you just have to type in Words That Work for Leaders and you could even put Laura Boyd. It's number two on the list that pops up there. So awesome. That's where you can get that. And uh, Leadership Delta, we have different leadership forums, public forums that we open up to anybody. And so we have, uh, we have one going on right now, but we have two coming up this spring, one on personal leadership and one on teams leadership, which is more if you're leading or managing a team. And it takes you through personal leadership is so yummy. It is such, okay, my daughter would say, never say that word, mom. My 17-year-old. <laughs> I like it. 
<laughs> Thanks, Erica. It is such a great, just a really good opportunity to look at yourself and how you lead and how you want to lead. And so those are coming up this spring and we have two or three sessions of personal leadership throughout the year. And it's all virtual at this point now. So we do have an alumni group though, that will start to get together face-to-face as well. So so that's on leadershipdelta.com. You can find it under the Delta Academy. And um, I think that's it. I'm trying to think. Do you guys have any social? We do. Kristen, be so mad at me. I can't think of even what it is exactly. <laughs> that's okay. No, that's totally fine. I will put it. We have these wonderful things in the podcast world called show notes. So I will make sure that I add those to the show notes and then people can find you on social, the Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the good stuff. Yeah, that would be great. And I know we're on every social media channel. So, I mean, it's usually Leadership Delta or Leadership Laura. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you so much for the conversation today. Thank you. It's just been so eye-opening and some very great areas. And I'm you just have a world of knowledge and leadership. And um, you have such a great heart. And I'm just so honored to know you personally and just so honored to have you as a part of the podcast. So thank you so much for spending the time today with me. And I just know our listeners got a lot out of it. Oh, thanks, Erica. You're so kind. I appreciate that. I hope they did. I hope they took... Not a, they don't have to get a lot, even just one little small nugget. That's what I go for these days. Yes. The nuggets are always good. Yes. Yep. Well, thank you. All right. Take care. Congratulations to saying yes to yourself. Fill it up your cup, feed in your soul. If you want more, head over to faithinspiredpodcast.com for show notes and links to all the goodies mentioned in today's podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep you faith inspired. 